You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. All right, Acts chapter number four, and here's where in this passage of Scripture, uh, it is continuing the message of what has taken place in chapter three. And what we find is in this event, go back to chapter three, verse one, and we'll jump in. Thank you again for that, that message and song. That was, that was a blessing. And the uh, Calvary, uh, it's not just a historical record of what has taken place. Uh, what Christ did on Calvary is still saving people today. And if you are not saved, uh, you need a Savior. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one that can save a soul from the penalty of their sins. Uh, and the reality is the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on Calvary, after you're saved, he's the only one that can save you from yourself. There is so much destruction that happens in our lives that's just self-inflicted. You know who, who changes all that? It's the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, Acts chapter 3. Go back to chapter 3 and look at verse 1 with me. Uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And so now we have the apostles, uh, Peter and John. Uh, they're going to uh, the temple. Uh, and here, what, what, what do we have? We have the people of God going to the house of God. Amen. Uh, there is a place where God wants you to assemble. Uh, and as they are going, and it was the hour of prayer being the ninth hour, so uh, it was, there was a time for prayer. And if you don't have a place for prayer and you do not have a time of prayer, you will not pray. Isn't that true? That rings true in every one of our lives. It rings true in my life. It rings true in your life. Uh, and the Bible says, the Lord said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Uh, that's why on Wednesday nights, uh, we, we spend time praying. Uh, sometimes people will come in and they're uncomfortable. Well, what are we going to talk to God about? You know, it ought not be uncomfortable for people, the people of God, to pray. Amen. It's, it is important. So here, the, uh, Peter and John, they're going to the temple. It's a time of prayer. And so corporately, they're praying. It was the ninth hour. Now, the Jewish day started in the evening. It started at six the previous day. The Lord said the evening and the morning were the first day. So it was that evening from six to six a.m. The morning there began the next half of the day. We go, we go from midnight to midnight and call that uh, a day, but they went from six to six. So here, when it's talking about uh, the ninth hour, he's talking about three o'clock in the afternoon because their day began for the day, daylight time started at six. Uh, so you go back around to three. Brother David, can you get that for me? Uh, and so three o'clock was the ninth hour. Uh, you remember, of course, that it was at three o'clock that the Lord Jesus Christ cried out, uh, uh, Lama uh, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so it was at the ninth hour that that took place, three o'clock in the afternoon. 
And so here they're, they're heading in and they're, they're, they're going to pray at three o'clock in the afternoon. And as they are going uh, and as they are heading that direction, they encounter somebody. They encounter somebody to minister to. You know, in the Christian's life, we are to be available all the time. God has a way of bringing people across our path. We think it's circumstantial. It's not circumstantial. Uh, there is nothing accidental with God. And God works, and he brings us to places. He brings other people to places. And as they were on their way to go worship, they were going to pray. Uh, at that time of prayer, uh, they, have, they have already experienced uh, the multitudes. Uh, Acts 1 and 2 in the day of Pentecost, and uh, the 3,000 people that get saved in Acts chapter 2. Uh, and now as they are, they are going to the temple, uh, these, these individuals could have been focus just on the multitude. But God brought a man across their path that was a beggar. There was somebody that they crossed the path to that could do nothing for them. You know, Christians, we aren't supposed to just help people that can do something for us. And here there was an outpouring of themselves, I'm sure that they were busy. I'm sure that they could have said, well, you know, I don't have time for you because I'm going to church. Right? How many of us have been busy doing something and there were needs that were there and we didn't feel like we had time for it? I've been there. And I look at this, this passage of Scripture, and I'm convicted about that. So here they were ministering to multitudes one moment, and now all of a sudden they've got somebody that is an individual, and not just an individual, he's a handicapped individual. He is an individual that is poor, that can do nothing for uh, them. And, uh, and here now they are going to stop, and they are going to interact with this person. And so uh, we see this interaction. Now, uh, in, in Proverbs, uh, this interaction, when we think about uh, having, uh, having an inter interaction with the poor and the needy, uh, you know, God's, God's plan is not welfare. That's not God's plan. Uh, the system, uh, the, the, the way to take care of people was never the government's job. It was the society's job to take care of people. It was the church's job to take care of people. And, and here when uh, these individuals that, that were needy, uh, these people uh, were supposed to be taken care of. Uh, Proverbs chapter number uh, uh, 19 and verse 17. He that hath pity on the poor. What is that next word? Let's say that again. Lendeth. He that hath pity on the poor, lendeth. Now, do you lend sympathy? Do you? No. Are we awake this morning? All right. Uh, so, so here, uh, we don't lend. When we, we think of pity, it's, oh, I'm sorry you're in this condition. 
That's, what not the, that's not what this verse is talking about. It's not talking about us having being empathetic or sympathetic or, or having pity on that individual because of their condition. He that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord. This is a financial transaction. And God's saying, when you have pity on the poor, the, the life of the believer, uh, we are to give. That's God's plan. Now, the world has messed this up. And so now there's a whole system that's there. And, and uh, the, the giving to the poor has never been and should never have been compulsory uh, through the government tax system. Uh, it ought to have been from compassion out of the heart uh, that we care and we want to help uh, as opposed to the government robbing you and taking it and spending it a thousand different ways. And some of it trickles down to the people of need. Uh, but uh, here we see that God's plan is for God's people to, to uh, meet those needs. And we see that in this interaction, uh, Peter and John, they say, silver and gold have I none. And here they are referencing back to that financial ability. This man was, was begging for alms. He was asking for donations. And, and with that, people would give uh, out of their, the kindness of their heart. Generosity was there. And, and so that's how that man was cared for. Uh, but, but here we, we find this interaction, and, and this interaction is going to result in a man getting healed. So let's go back to chapter four, and I want to point out uh, some things here in this uh, text verses, and then uh, we will jump into the message. All right, Acts chapter four and verse number uh, 14, and beholding the man which was healed, so this man is going to get healed, standing with them, uh, they could say nothing against it. And beholding the man which is healed, stand, I'm sorry, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred with themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. So, so what we have here is the next day after the healing, the scribes, the Pharisees, they are upset that this, these apostles, uh, apostles are influencing the people. They're upset that something good has happened, and now they have influence among the people, and so they had them bound over. The next day, uh, they, are, they are being uh, questioned, uh, and the statement is made there uh, about this. Uh, it says uh, in verse number uh, 14, and beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. And here this morning, I want to take that little phrase. They could say nothing against it. And the title of the message this morning is, what can you say? What can you say? And let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd bless. Just use your word. Uh, thank you for those that are here. Uh, your people have been so faithful uh, year after year. And Lord, uh, you've added to the body. We thank you for that. Thank you for the guests that are here. Uh, but help us all, uh, Lord, to grow in our faith. Help us to recognize the opportunities that you give to us. And so use us now, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. 
Amen. So this man is healed, and, and I want you to see three things this morning. Uh, we're not going to do 45 points and three sub points, uh, just three points this morning. Uh, but uh, uh, I want you to uh, see three things this morning, because in this text, uh, we are going to see healing power, we are going to see saving power, and we are going to see transforming power. Uh, and so for that to be the case, we can, we can look at some things today that I think will be a help. First of all, number one, I want you to see the message. The message. In this, this communication here, the message was not just about meeting physical needs. Uh, and so uh, go back to Acts chapter 3 uh, and verse number 6. Acts chapter 3, verse number 6. And these, are, these apostles uh, are empowered by the Spirit of God. They're being led by the Spirit of God. Uh, so look at verse number uh, 6 of chapter 3. Then, said, then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, uh, such as I have give I unto thee. Uh, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received received strength, and he leaping up stood uh, and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Can you imagine if you were there? I can't wait till we get to heaven. I think, uh, and this is just in First Carry 2-2, but I, I imagine when we get to heaven that it's almost going to be like one of those uh, omni theaters where you go in, it's just surround all the way around. Have you ever been in one of those like for stars or something? Uh, and I just think that God is just going to uh, let us see all of the wonderful things that he has done. I mean, we're going to be there for eternity. I mean, we could watch everybody's life and every miracle in every generation, uh, and we'd still have time. Uh, so I have no idea whether that's going to be true, but, I, but I'm looking forward to seeing uh, some of the miracles that uh, God has relayed to us in his word. And, and here you have a man that was born lame. He, he did not have strength in his feet. He could not stand up. He could not walk. He was in such a position that somebody had to carry him. Can you imagine having an adult son or, or an adult friend that you had to physically carry from place to place? And, and here they had to take him out into public so he would have an opportunity even to be able to engage with people, to be able to have the, the uh, donations come his direction. And so now all of a sudden uh, these people come by and and the, he's looking at them, expecting to receive something, expecting uh, a donation. And Peter stops and looks at him. And I can sort of imagine, I mean, Peter's a preacher. I can just sort of imagine him walking up and looking at him and just point right in the eye, just looking at him and sort of drilling in. You know, you, you know how some people, when they walk up, they, they, it's just like they can look right into your soul. And here I can imagine Peter being like that. And he's looking right into his eyes. And, and as he's looking right into his eyes, he, he tells them, silver and gold have I none. What you are expecting to get from me, I have nothing to give you. But I love this next part. But such as I have. And if you're a child of God, you have something to give. 
You have something worth communicating. You have something that you can give to somebody else. And, uh, and so uh, here, uh, he, he heals. This man is healed. Uh, he leaps up. He stood. He walked. He enters in with them in the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Uh, you know, if the Lord does something for you, you ought to praise God for it. Amen. And guess what? He got saved outside, but what do you find him? Coming in the house of God, praising God. The, the house of God ought not be a quiet place. It ought to be full of praise. It ought to be full of God's people uh, glorifying God. Amens and praise the Lord and oh me and oh my. Uh, you know, whatever that is, we, as God is speaking and God is working, we need to allow him uh, to do work in our life. And then there needs to be a response to that. And, and here, this man, he had God work in his life and he was praising God for it. And you know what? Uh, we have a lot to praise God for. Uh, there is so much that we we can praise him for verse number 11. And as the lame and as the lame man, which was healed, held Peter and John, all, all the people ran together unto them, uh, in the porch that is called Sol Solomon's greatly wondering. Notice here when people see something happen, it draws attention. When there is a work of God and there is a miracle of God and people are praising God, other people say, what just took place? And here, uh, that is where we're at here. And, uh, and they're greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why ye look so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let us go. But ye denied the Holy One and just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof your witnesses and his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And he, that word soundness is literally talking about health. And, and so here they're looking and they're seeing this man that's healthy. Uh, they knew him. They had seen him. But now there's something different. And it has created a hunger in other people to see it. And then they started wondering, where do we put the praise for this? And Peter was very quick to, to look and say, you know what? The praise belongs to God. It's, it's not a... It's it's not for us to grab a hold of. It's not for us to, to try to, uh, to absorb. We need to make sure that we uh, deflect praise to God. Uh, but this healing and help that this man had, the hope uh, that, that people have, it's only in Christ. It's only in Christ. And, and here, uh, the hope that people have is only in Jesus. You know, there's no, there's no man uh, that is going to be able to, uh, to uh, fulfill the hope that people have. There's nobody physically here that is going to be able to meet the needs spiritually, emotionally that people have. But the Lord can. You see, see this, this man, 
Uh, the message here, uh, the message was not about Peter. The message was not about the apostolic power. The message was that Jesus heals. The message was about Jesus. And as you see him communicating the power that was the healing power, it wasn't so uh, to try to get somebody to put money in an offering plate. You know, all these healers, these faith healers online uh, and on the TV make me sick. If they really had that healing power, uh, go to the hospitals. Go to the cancer wards. Go to the children's uh, ward, uh, the burn centers. Uh, you don't find that. Uh, you find them going to the crowds, and you find them manipulating money and resources and, and dry, having their own private jets. You know what? I would love to be able to fly uh, and uh, to, to have a plane. But you know what? The, Lord, the, the Lord's not, he's not about trying to amass fortunes for individuals. Here you see this, this, this message. The message was about Christ. You know how Peter took this opportunity? God worked and there was a miraculous event, but that miraculous event, what did it do? It gave him an opportunity to communicate the gospel to those people. It was uh, the, the, uh, uh, the gospel was what was communicated. Uh, what did he do? He went right to it and he said, uh, it's not me. He said, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's about God glorifying his son, Jesus Christ. And then he, he confronts them with their need of a savior whom ye delivered, whom ye crucified who you rejected. What was it? The Lord was, or the, the apostles here, they were bringing everything right back to the message of Christ. The message of redemption goes from cover to cover. And, and here they are trying to tell the world, they're trying to tell all these people uh, about the, their need for salvation. And that's what the message was. Uh, it was the message of salvation and the greatest message that was ever given uh, that God loved loves us, and he showed his love toward us in redemption's plan. Praise the Lord. And if you're saved this morning, you need to glorify God for all that he has done. You need to praise him for his goodness. Uh, we need to point other people to him. Uh, somebody says, well, God has sure blessed you. Yeah, let me tell you how he has blessed me. And you start just telling them about the Lord. Uh, and you know, it will bring lost people to a place where they'll listen. So we see the message. We see, secondly, the manner. The manner. Now look at verse number one of chapter four. And we're going to read, uh, we're going to read 13 verses here. Uh, hope, hope reading the Bible is not a problem. Uh, and if it is a problem, I'm still going to read the Bible. Uh, but here we're going to look at these because I want you to get the whole picture of what's taken place here. Chapter four and verse one, the Bible says, and as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Uh, when Jesus being preached bothers somebody, that's not the person to follow. Here you have religious people. You know what? There are a lot of religious people that don't want to hear about Jesus. 
Yeah. And you cannot, you cannot deny the Son and embrace the Father. The Bible says that he that hath not the Son hath not the Father. And there is no way, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, they reject the deity of Jesus Christ. They cannot worship Jehovah and reject Jesus Christ. The Bible says you cannot. You cannot have the Father and deny the Son. You know what? If you hate my, my kids, we got problems. We got problems. There will not be a relationship. If somebody is attacking my, son, my, my kids, man, they have an enemy. Let me tell you, God the Father is not just the Father. He is God, Jesus is co-equal with God. Uh, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, and here, uh, it all comes back to, to uh, promoting Christ and, uh, and the message that is going forth. But uh, they were grieved that they taught the people preaching through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And aren't you glad we don't serve a dead Savior? We serve a risen Savior. Amen. Uh, verse 3, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now even time. So now they're going to arrest the apostles for doing something good and for preaching Jesus. Uh, don't be surprised if we have opposition down here on this earth. Uh, they, they denied the Savior, they'll deny us. Uh, how be it, verse 4, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Wow. Wow. God took just a moment of ministry and turned it into a miraculous opportunity. Something that was, okay, we're just going to help this one person. You know what? God's, God's message is bigger than just one or two. It is about the one, but it also can be used to accomplish so much more. If you're saved this morning, the Lord didn't save you just so you could be saved. You see, this man, he, he has an encounter with Christ, and all of a sudden, that encounter has an entire different uh, result. Uh, here we see 5,000 people that are going to get saved because of this one event. Uh, and, and so uh, it came to pass... Uh, let's go back again. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. So here you have 5,000 men that believe. Wow. And then you put a family alongside that. And you put the children. How many times do children, the children are so open to the gospel? And what a blessing that that is. Verse number six, and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set uh, them in the midst, they asked by what power or what name have you done this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what 
what means he has made a whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified and whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at uh, naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. What was the manner that we find? We see the message, but then we see the manner. We see the boldness. The boldness. You know, here they get, they get uh, taken. They get uh, restrained. So here there is an arresting issue that takes place and they are under the authority of these religious uh, rulers and now uh, they, are, they are being called on the carpet. They are being questioned. But Peter and John and the new man that just got saved, he's still with them. Boldness. You know what we need? We need boldness. We need boldness. You know, we find ourselves so often encompassed with people who are unbelievers. They were as well. They were, they were in a company that was not a, this was a hostile environment. These were individuals that had power, power to arrest and now with that, Peter and John being filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 1.8, but ye shall be, be filled with power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses. You know, God doesn't send the Holy Spirit power just so we can have some experience. He sent the Holy Spirit of God so we can have power to witness. And here they are witnessing. They are speaking boldly, the manner of boldness. It didn't matter who they were speaking to. They were bold in their witness of Christ. You know what? We need boldness. We need boldness in the workplace, don't we? We need boldness. We need to be able to stand up for the Lord. Uh, I, I don't know how many times uh, that I, that I, when I was at work, working in the world and working in shops and uh, guys would keep using God's name in vain. And, and I say, you know what? I said, God's my heavenly father. I don't curse your mom. Don't curse my God. He said, well, th what'd they say? Well, some of them mocked, some of them laughed. But you know what I found? As I tried to live for the Lord, so many times they would curse and they'd look over, oh, preacher's with us. Oh, sorry. You know what? You and I, we need boldness. He said, well, you're the pastor. You have to have boldness. I have the same flesh you have. I feel, I feel pressure just like you feel pressure. 
You know, we need boldness. We need boldness to be able to witness. And here, the result of this miracle was that many people heard the gospel. And these, these uh, uh, apostles here, uh, they ministered to one poor beggar. Uh, but then that message of the death, the burial, the resurrection, the gospel, that message went forth with power. And, and you know what? The Lord can use any of us to, to make the difference in somebody's life. Aren't you, so, aren't you glad somebody had boldness to witness to you? Aren't you glad somebody had, you say, well, I was, I was raised in church. Well, aren't you glad somebody had boldness to witness to the person that brought you to church? Or the person that, uh, that uh, raised the other individuals to stand for the Lord uh, so they could then be a witness. Uh, God is always working and, and there is no greater message than, that we could proclaim than Jesus saves. He saves. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, it's the hope of man. So we see uh, the, the uh, message, we see the manner. But then lastly, uh, I want you to see the man. Go back to chapter 4 and verse number 13. Chapter 4, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. You see, what we find here in this man, we find a transformed life. They saw the miracle. They saw the change. There was a physical change. They could see it. I believe that there was a spiritual change. And there was faith. They could say nothing against it. You know what this world needs? It needs some believers to live their life in such a way that transformation is evident. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And you know what? The world can say, well, I agree, or I believe, or I don't believe. But there's nothing they can say against a changed life. There's nothing they can say against a changed life. When my mom and dad, when they got saved, uh, they got saved. I'm so thankful for that. I mean, uh, when they came home after getting saved, they got saved, they got baptized, their whole life was transformed. Uh, the, it, was, it was almost like I went into a whole different household. Uh, my dad was a different person. My mom was a different person. Uh, the, the things that went on in our house, and it was a, tr uh, it was a process of growth and transformation, uh, and people would say, I'll oh, just give them a little bit of time. They'll go back. They'll change. No, there's a transformed life. And you know what a transformed life, what that does is that brings glory to God. You know what that does? It causes other people to say, you know what? How do I argue against that? What can you say? What can you say when Jesus changes his life? What can you say against Christianity when all of a sudden the addict is made clean and the, the immoral and are made pure and, and God takes the broken and he puts the pieces back together and they're a new creation? How do you argue against that? You can't argue against it. What can you say? You know, all you can say is glory to God. 
And when there is that transformed life, there is an opportunity to be able to be a witness for Christ. You know, sometimes in Christianity and we're saved for a while and we got some of the big things worked out. Maybe drugs aren't part of the life. Maybe carousing isn't a part of the life. Maybe the drinking and drunkenness and addictions, those are all gone. Maybe we work through some of those areas that every other people can see. But let me ask you, where's the joy? You know, if we don't have any joy, there's a problem. How am I going to be a witness to how good God is if I'm always walking around with, with a scowl on my face? Are you come to church with me? <laughs> Sometimes I'll knock on somebody's door and go to invite them to church, and they'll go, I got my own church, and slam the door. And every time that happens, I just start laughing. And I walk away saying, your church did a lot for you. <laughs> you know what? Our, our relationship with the Lord should cause us to be different. Amen. There ought to be a transformed life. There ought to be joy. There ought to be glorifying God. There, are, there will be opportunities for us to tell other people about Jesus. And that's what the plan is. You see, your life should be a transformational uh, witness to everybody that you come in contact with that there is something different about that individual. Uh, that lady, that man, that teenager, uh, that child, uh, they, have a, they have a glow about them. They've got uh, the joy of the Lord in their life. There's something different about that person. And you know what? That ought to be us. It ought to be us. And if it's not, man, we got some, we got some stuff to work on. So, Pastor, it's just not my personality to, to be happy. I'm sorry. I really am. It's amazing how many people get joy or pleasure in, in dwelling on the negative. You say, well, it doesn't make anybody happy. Then why do we always do it? It's a choice. It's a decision. And you and I, we should have the joy of the Lord. And with that, the Bible tells us that we are to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, just in case you missed the always. Let me tell you just again, rejoice. Here this whole event takes place. And this religious crowd that are lost, church isn't going to get anybody to heaven. Your Bible knowledge is not going to get you to heaven. The only thing that's going to get anybody to heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. And when you recognize you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and by faith you trust Jesus Christ as your only way to heaven, that's when salvation comes. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God.
not of works, lest any man should boast. And, and here, uh, as we are saved, we should live in such a way that God can take that one life. And the people that aren't believers look at us and say, wow, God's done something in this life. It's a notable thing that hath been done. It was evident. They could see it. There's nothing they can say. You know what? When there's nothing that people can say against Christ and what he has done in our life, that just draws them a little bit closer to trusting him themselves. Let's make sure that we are living that type of a life. That the world looks at us and there was nothing that they could say. John 15, 13. The Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, the gospel message is not a hateful message. The gospel message is a message of love. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You say, well, what if they don't receive it? Well, at least you told them. At least you told them. You know, everybody's not going to accept the Lord. If they didn't accept Jesus, who was perfect when he was here, what makes us think that everybody that we talk to is going to accept? So why should we then feel like a failure if somebody rejects Christ. They have been rejecting him all along. But there are people that are ready to receive. 5,000 men just got saved. 3,000 in Acts chapter number 2 got saved. We find that over and over again, when you tell somebody about Jesus and his love, that it it brings salvation into the lives of others. Let's, let's live in such a way that they can say nothing against it. What can you say? Live the life of transformation and the world, they might not like it, they might not agree with it, but there's nothing they can say against it. They can see that God has done something in your life. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. And Lord, you know the, the heart of each person here. You know those that have accepted you and you know those who have yet to make that decision. And I pray this morning uh, that you would work in our hearts and our lives, uh, whether it's here in person, those that are online, uh, help us today uh, to be able to recognize our need for you. And Lord, if, we're, if there's one that's unsaved, may today they trust you. But then, Lord, for those of us that are saved, I pray that you would help us to live that transformed life. Help us to be a tool, just like Peter and John, just like this new believer, this one that, uh, that uh, was healed, and how you used him as a vessel to get the gospel to so many others. And so I pray that you just work now in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please, for Christ's sake. Has bowed eyes closed. Are you here this morning? Do you know the Lord is your personal Savior? 
Say, Pastor, I, I know if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I've accepted Christ as my personal Savior. Say, Pastor, that's me. I know if I died, I'm going to heaven. Just slip your hand up. Let me, uh, we'll praise the Lord together over that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're here this morning. Say, Pastor, I don't have that assurance. I can't go back into my mind to a time, a place where I accepted Christ. I don't know that I'm a child of God. Pastor, I'm concerned about that. Pray for me this morning. Nobody's looking around. I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you, but I want to pray for you this morning. You say, Pastor, that's me. Just slip your hand up. Let me pray for you this morning. I'm unsure of my eternal destiny. Just slip your hand up. Let me pray for you today. Is there one like that? Is there one like that? Who's here this morning and say, Pastor, I want to live that transformed life. I want God to be able to use me to make a difference so I can then be a tool that will help others come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Say, that's me this morning, Pastor. I want to be that person. My hand's up. I want to be that type of a person that God can use to bring other people to himself. Praise the Lord. Now, Father, you see the hands, you know uh, our hearts, and Lord, we want you to use us. And I pray this morning that you would help us, not just to raise a hand, but also, Lord, to allow your workings to continue in our life. Help it uh, to be a decision that is lived out. And so work now in the invitation. Speak to hearts, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. The altar's open. Let's stand together. Uh, And as the altar's open, if you want to find a spot at the altar, you are more than welcome to do so. There's something about a bowed knee and heart to God. Maybe you didn't raise your hand about accepting Christ. Let me encourage you to come. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been saved and not followed the Lord in believer's baptism since salvation. Let me encourage you to come. Maybe you've been saved and baptized, feel like this is where God would have you come and join. Let me encourage you to come. Whatever decision it is, let's make it this morning. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.